We're going through Second John, and uh, it's just amazing, you know. As I was looking over this this passage, uh, and if you guys are you know know about Calvary Chapel, we're more of a book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse type style. And you know, I've been going through you know First John. Now it's in Second John, so we did the first portion. Now it's the second portion. So, um, but. I realize, you know, that that beautiful thing that God has and the the thing that he's doing, that unity that he's bringing about, uh, there's actually people that want to come in. They creep into the church and they want to tear apart what God is doing. They want to rip it apart and give you nothing. They want to leave you dry and just, you know, uh, in misery. And it's, it's amazing that there's evil people in this world and the things that they do. Just watch the news if you don't believe me. That lawlessness is abounding, and, and it truly is. So, but it's not just out there in the world. It's in the church, and they, they creep in. So uh, I thank the Lord for passages like this that we're going to go through that, you know, if anything that we need when it comes to deception in the church, we need discernment in the church. And that discernment can't come from us, it has to come from the Lord. It's something that he will treasure us with, right? It's a precious gift uh, that only he gives through his spirit. And if we're not tuned in to the word of God, right? If we're not hearing the word of God, we're not gathering together as a body of believers, uh, then our faith isn't as increased, right? Because as we gather together, we hear the word, thus our faith is being increased in the Lord. And the more we hear his word, the more we recognize his word, right? And so the more we hear, thus a false, deceptive teacher, our little antenna's gonna go up, right? Woo! <laughs> and we're gonna be like, wait a minute, this guy is not preaching, you know, the word of truth. And so, uh, so let's just go ahead and start. I, I, uh, I'm a talker sometimes. So this book, it's really dealing with four main things. And the first section uh, is in verses one through four, it's dealing with truth. And then in verses five through six, it's dealing with love. And the third section in verse seven through 11 deals with deceivers. And then the fourth section is dealing in verses 12 to 13 with joy. And today we're going to go over uh, this topic of deceivers and joy. Um, last time we went through Second John, uh, we learned about truth and love and how they go together. They just, it just fits together because really if you think about it, Jesus said in John 14, 6, right, I am the way, the truth so he declared he is the truth, right? But he's also in First John, God is love. And so it, it just, it's perfect. It, it comes from God. Truth and love are always together. And, and I love that. So let's go ahead and read our passage. Second John chapter 5. Ah, just joking. There's only one chapter. Look at verse 7. It says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. And if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine... Do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Having many things to write to you, I do not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen and amen. So really there's two things that we want to see today in in our passage here is uh, really we're going to look at deceivers in verses 7 through, uh, well, 11. And then verses 12 through 13, we're going to see joy. Uh, But now dealing with deceivers, this is nothing new, right? We've seen uh, this way back in the Garden of Eden, right? With Adam and Eve. You see Eve being deceived. There's the serpent lying and then thus sin entered into the world. And thus, you know, uh, the story of redemption began from Genesis all the way to Revelation. It's all about Jesus Christ. In Hebrews, it says, you know, in the volume of the book, it is written of me, right? And it's so everything is about Jesus. And so um, it's nothing new to us. The word deceive, deceiver 
Uh, it's mentioned five times in the New Testament, and two of those five times is mentioned right here in verse 7, and it simply means wandering off from the straight path, right? It carries the idea of being misled. Uh, immediately, I think of uh, the book uh, Pilgrim's Progress. If you guys have read that, you guys understand. You know, there's a starts off and it ends with, you know, you, you, you just want to stay on this, the path, but there's so many things that would divert your way and, and go this way, go that way, right? And so the, the deceivers come to lead you astray. So that's basically what it's talking about. Someone who wants to lead you astray from your walk with the Lord. And we would call this person an imposter, a false teacher, uh, a deceiver. And typically these deceivers, you know what? They have great teachings. You, you might catch them on TV and you're like, wow, look at this guy's good. They're, they're, they're talking some good stuff and it's great. And they're probably delivering some good truth. And once in a while, they might even throw in some scripture where you're like, whoa, they said scripture. They must be good, right? Uh, but in the balance of their teachings, they really don't follow Jesus Christ according to the scripture scriptures. Um, and the whole point in life is really for them is to deceive you and me, whether you realize it or not. Maybe they don't realize it or not, but they, they, they're they not going to stick to the context of the scripture. They're going to, they're always going to give you one or two here and there, but to give you context, context is everything. That's what we learned about everything else, right, in life, but it's the same thing with scripture. So uh, they want to pull you and I away from what the Bible teaches really about Jesus Christ, and that's what we're going to uh, hopefully see today. Uh, John gives us, as, we, as I read through this, I kind of marked out seven things uh, that I highlighted, and I'll, I'll just give you guys. Um, and, and really about learning about these deceivers. And maybe there's more. You guys could correct me afterward if you want. Um, but the first thing that we learn about deceivers is that they are... Well, there are many. Notice in verse 7, it says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world. So there are many, many deceivers who have gone out into the world today. And did you guys know that there are, well, if you, I asked Google, right? So I said, okay, Google, how many religions are in the world today? There are 4,200 religions today, right? So... Hopefully you guys have your phones off right now. They're gonna, your Google's going to be talking. But uh, there, many times these deceivers, they talk about the Bible, they refer to the Bible, uh, but their belief is far away from what the Bible actually teaches. Uh, now, what the Bible actually teaches is, Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 5, he says, For many, many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. This will happen. This is actually happening today. This is happening down the street from you and I, from where we live, from where we go to church, from where we, in our own town, this is happening today. Today, millions of people are being deceived. They're going and meeting in places and they don't even realize they're being deceived. Um, Jesus also said in Matthew 24, verse 11, he said, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. So these are just, you know, one out of the uh, of a few things that are going to happen, of the signs uh, that are going to happen before the rapture of the church. So if anything, you know, there's a sadness to it, but there's also an excitement for me because I'm like, hey, I see it happening. This is a sign that Jesus said, you know, would happen. So if anything, look up, you know, and expect the, the, the Lord to come back at, at any minute now. It's a Praise the Lord for that. Um, turn with me to your left to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And if you guys, you know, it's not hard to find these deceivers. If you guys just watch normally a lot of the Christian uh, television, uh, for me it was TBN. Every time I turn around, I was like, oh, well, come on. <laughs> it just, it's, it's pretty obvious in a lot of stuff that you watch. Um, but look at 1 John chapter 4. Look at verse 1. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. You see, our job as believers is to test 
Everyone and everything, right? We need to test every, what everybody says. And don't ever, 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 ever just take anybody at their word for what they say. Don't ever listen to me, right? Don't listen to Pastor Dwight. If just anything that we say, it doesn't mean it's truth out of our mouth. It's Jesus who proclaimed that he is the truth, right? So everything that comes out of the word of God is the truth because Jesus declared it. And he is. He's the written word. He's the come alive, right? In John chapter 1, 1 and John 1, 14, the word became flesh and so and dwelt among us. So uh, don't listen to any of us. But what are you called to do? You're called to test all things, right? Test uh, what we say. The word of God is truth, and we can always refer to it and go back to it. John 17, 17, Jesus, he's praying in the garden there and uh, before the cross, and and what he says in his prayer, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And and we need to be like the Bereans in Acts 17, 11. What did they do? But they, they, they took back what Paul was saying to them, and they tested it. They, they took it back to the scriptures. Is this, does this line up with the word of God? And, and I don't think uh, many people that I know uh, don't know how to do this. It, you know, it's just like the Bible uh, comes to church, but then it goes and sits the entire week. And then they pick it back up and then they go to church and it's like, oh, no, it's got to be the opposite. You need to keep that thing all the time, right? And continue to flip those scriptures and know it, learn it. Why? Because your eternal life is at stake, right? Think about it. You're, you're wasting your time coming to church if you think you're, you know, if you're trying to do some religious duty of any sort, right? It's, it's, it's vanity. Uh, come to church with the expectation of is seeing and, and hearing from Christ, right? Hearing from the Lord himself and let him minister to you. If you're looking for anything else, you're going to be misled. You're, <laughs> you're just going to carry away a bunch of facts and a bunch of, you know, probably good things. But if you're coming to church and you're wanting to hear from Jesus, if you're saying, Lord, I desire you, I want to I wanna know you, I want to I wanna hear from you, then you're going to hear from him. Those blinders are going to push, right? You're going to be looking at scripture like, whoa, look at this. <laughs> You're going to be like, hey, check this out. Get over here. Look at us, right? It's, it's exciting when the Lord speaks to your heart. It's a wonderful thing. So uh, another, 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, Paul said, he said, test all things Hold fast what is good. And so be careful with all those deceivers out there. So back to Second John. Second John. Second thing about these deceivers is they, well, they deny the incarnation of Christ. In other words, that Jesus came in the flesh, in the physical, uh, to this world. Uh, notice in verse 7, it says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. They deny that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, but they also deny that Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. And But it's the present tense. It was true then and it's true now, right? So back then John was battling really two major heresies that were coming into the church and two main things that he's really combating against in his writings. And also Paul was writing against, uh, for instance, in Colossians, right? Paul was writing a, a bunch of stuff. But uh, the two heresies that I see here, one was docetism. I wrote it right there for you. It's kind of a, I was like, how do you write that out? Um, but it simply means seemingly. And, and they teach that Jesus only seemingly had a physical body. And, but just like, you know, if you guys have a lighter and you got a light, you know, the flame doesn't cast a shadow. That's how they say Jesus came. He came, he was just seemingly in the flesh, but he really wasn't there, right? Or, or they say, you know, it's, it's almost like those pictures, the, the, the footprints in the sand, right? And the beach and, and you're walking and then he's walking, but there's no footprints there. That's docetism. They say he was there, but he's really in spirit. He's actually not really there. And, and, and it messes with your brain where you're like, well, is he even true if he's really not there? I mean, am I seeing things? Am I crazy? Right? And it could drive you crazy. But they, they did believe 
yes, he's 100% God, but he did not come in the flesh, in the flesh body. And, and uh, that's a heresy, and I'll show you why. But the second heresy that was going around is Gnosticism, which is very similar, uh, but it was being promoted in those days. It simply means, means knowledge, 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 believing that anything uh, spiritual was good. And anything material, anything tangible, anything physical was actually evil. And so, uh, therefore, they believe that Jesus Christ could not come in the flesh, right? That, that he never took on uh, human form, since to them, you know, all physical matter would be evil. So that's why they deny that Jesus Christ actually came in the flesh. And the Bible teaches really the complete opposite. In fact, I'll show you. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the, in the flesh. At justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. In fact, in Hebrews 5, 7, it says, who in the days of his flesh, right? So he came in the flesh. In fact, in Hebrews 10, 20, it says, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, uh, the truth is, Jesus Christ is God Almighty come in the flesh. That's the truth. That's what scripture says. And if you don't believe this, then, well, First John, I encourage you to read it because it would say you're not even saved. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, then you don't have true salvation. You're the one that says, but God, I did all this in your name. Lord, I, I did this, I did that, I did, but yeah, I don't know you, he's going to say. Why? Because you didn't really believe in who, what he said. If you don't believe in what scripture says about him, which it says he came in the flesh, you're already denying stuff. In other words, you're a grocery shopper, right? I believe this part and this part, but I don't believe that, the rest of that stuff. No, you're either 100% in or you're not. God has called us to be sold out, in other words, right? You can't be fully submissive to him if you're still holding on to the things and the cares of the world, right? You gotta, you gotta jump in wholeheartedly. Um, there's a lot of people that come to the office and they, you know, they're on the side of if they want to be a Christian or not. And I'm like, well, stop playing around. You want to be a Muslim? Go be a Muslim. You want to do this? Whatever you do, go be 100% of it, but know what you're Know what you're looking at because that's your eternal life you're playing with, right? And the scripture says, hey, you, you got to pick up your cross and follow him. Follow him. How to pick up your cross? That's like going to the electric chair, right? <laughs> you die to self. That's basically what it is. And so the Bible also says, uh, understand, in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the word was God, right? In John 1.14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So you must believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh if you, in order to be saved. Uh, now there's uh, doctrines out there. Uh, there's a lot of people, I mean, it's hard to, uh, get a good Christian book these days that are not involved in some way, some shape, some form of what we call the emergence church. Uh, and, and there's a lot of churches that are starting to go this route where it's, it's really the cool thing, right? And, and uh, a lot of my friends from Bible college, you know, they started their own fellowships, their own, their own churches, and, and, uh, and I, I talked to them about it. And what's going on? And they're like, oh, it's great, man. We're able to drink alcohol with them. We could smoke pot with them. And man, we do this and that and it's like who are you I don't know I don't know you what are you talking about and and but why is it so lavish and so open well because it's not restrained it's not within the word of God the moment you get out of the the word and you begin to emerge with the world in a sense uh then compromise is going to abound in fact uh the emergent church is really relativism 
uh, repackaged. And they believe in a postmodernistic belief system, uh, thinking everybody's right. And the point is that there really is no absolute truth at all. In fact, all is relative, you know. And you can, you can give the gospel to these people and be like, you know, and, and tell them if you believe in absolute truth. And some of them, they scratch their heads and they're, you know, they're like, no, I believe in uh, relativism. And they really don't know what they're saying. But if you tell them, okay, so you don't believe in absolute truth. And they're like, yes, absolutely. Wait, wait, what? Right? <laughs> they're like, yeah, I don't, uh, I gotta go. <laughs> uh, but relativism, it just doesn't make sense, right? And I, I could go off on, on all that stuff. But we need to be careful lest we be deceived. There's a lot of people, and I, I was a little tempted, you know, should I name call a couple of guys to warn the church? And then I want to do that, because then I'll have to explain, you know, this is what Rob Bell does and Tim, uh, whatever. Well, you, you guys get the point, right? But I'm not going to do that. But most religions, they don't teach that Jesus is God. And uh, they, they teach a whole lot of other stuff. And there are a lot of good people. Uh, in, in Jehovah's Witness, for instance, these are great people. They dress well. You know, they come to your door. They're very friendly. Uh, but they don't believe that Jesus Christ is God Almighty. They believe Jesus. In fact, they got to fill in the blank. So what is Jesus? Well, um, he's Michael the Archangel. <laughs> but uh, there you go. But in Revelation, you see all the angels uh, were worshiping God. In fact, you see, you see God in Revelation 1, uh, uh, 17, uh, 18. Uh, Jesus says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. So in the beginning there, you could say, who's speaking here? It, it says, you know, he says, you know, I'm the first and the last, the beginning and the end, you know, verse 11 and 12. And they're like, oh, that's God speaking. He's the first and the last, right? The, the beginning and the end. And, and then you, they keep going because it's the same conversation here. And in verse 18, I am he who lives and was dead. When did God die? Oh, right? Just, Oh, I don't know. Well, duh, because Jesus is God. That God declared who he is right here, and it's scripture. So Mormons, they believe Jesus is the spirit uh, brother of Lucifer. They don't believe that he is Jesus Christ come in the flesh, that he is God Almighty. Uh, they, they believe Jesus was uh, Lucifer. They were brothers. They had to come up with some plan and blah, blah, blah. But they don't believe that Jesus is God. Uh, the Church of Christ scientists, headed by Mary Baker, believes that Jesus Christ is separate from Christ, who is a human who shows Christ-like ideals. Uh, the Church of Scientology, Ron Hubbard, great fictional writer, you guys could get all his comic books, um, but claims that Jesus is a, he's just a great teacher, right? But he fully realized his own personal divinity, and that you and I, we can realize our own personal divinity. In other words, we could be, we are, we, that's the same lie from the garden, right? We could be just like God. And uh, wow. Anyways, uh, the Unification Church. I did a whole thing on Scientology, a whole teaching, and I put it up on YouTube. YouTube immediately put that thing out, and, and, uh, and then I kept uploading it again. I literally did it like 12 times, and they literally deleted my account. I was like, what? <laughs> Who's working for YouTube? Anyways, sorry, personal thing going on there. Um, so the Unification Church, Sang Young Moon, believes that Jesus was a perfect man who was a faithful, he was faithful to God. The Way International, they believe that Jesus was a perfect man, but he wasn't divine. He wasn't Jesus as God. He's not God Almighty. Judaism even believes that Jesus was an important uh, uh, person. He was important, uh, if, if, if that even a prophet, but he wasn't divine. They don't believe he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. And, and the Hinduism, they believe that Jesus was a great spiritual teacher. You know, they call him a guru. Uh, Buddhism uh, believes he was a good teacher among many. Islam believes that Jesus was just a major prophet uh, among many, but by no means is he God Almighty. But the Baha'i faith, they believe Jesus is one of God's multiple manifestations, but certainly not God himself. So all of these cults, these deceivers, if you will, uh, according to the Bible, uh, they 
they're, they're, that's who they are. They are there to deceive you and me. They want to draw you and me away from the word of God. You see, that's the point. If I could dumb you guys down and, and say, oh, don't bring your Bibles to church. You don't need that. Why? Because it's gonna, your Bible's going to expose us. We need to be exposed, though. You know, if I, when I read the Bible, I realize, you know, yes, confess your sins. You know, um, you know Romans 10, 9, 1 John 1, 9 says, confess your sins to really the Lord, right? But it also says to confess your sins to one another. Why? Because the enemy doesn't, he doesn't have any territory anymore. You already exposed yourself. In other words, it speaks of humility. You humbled yourself before the Lord, and, but when you hold to your pride, when you hold to your sin, right, you don't want to be exposed, right? Then you, you begin to live in that lifestyle of sin, and, and that kind of life, that kind of pride, that's what keeps you away from your relationship with Christ. And so the enemy wants to come in and, and just tear you apart, but uh, we're the body of believers. We're a team. We're a fellowship. And, and we are to, we're exposed. We're the light of the world, right? What do you think light does? It exposes darkness. And uh, so we got to be very, very careful with these doctrines that go out there. We got to know the word of God. And, and obviously there's a whole bunch of scripture, uh, you know, we would be here forever. They only gave me, what, 20 minutes? Is that what I get? Uh, two hours? Is that uh, maybe two hours? Is that why you guys come to the first service? You guys know it doesn't go as long. I knew it. Second service, they don't know what's going on. They're the new ones. Um, but Isaiah, Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. This is the prophet Isaiah understood something. He understood for unto us a child is born. Now this is God giving Isaiah this prophecy, right? For unto us a child is born. In other words, Christ, right, the Messiah, he's he's born. Unto us a son is given. Speaking of Jesus, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name, Jesus's name, will be called Wonderful counselor mighty god so the messiah jesus his name will be god wait what right when you read the bible it's it's obvious hey he's everlasting father he's the prince of peace so isaiah understood that the messiah christ would be god that he, that's god uh, titus chapter 2 verse 13 it says looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great god and and Savior Jesus Christ. Boom, he's one, right? Uh, Jesus said in John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. Uh, in John 14, 11, Jesus said, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Uh, Thomas declared that Jesus was God Almighty come in the flesh. He understood that he was the Son of God. He answered and said to him, my Lord and my God, he said. Uh, in Romans 9, 5, it says, of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came. So in the flesh he came, who is over all, the eternally blessed God. Right? I love that. Amen. So, Jesus is the eternal blessed God. In fact, First uh, John five twenty, and we know that the Son of God has come into the and, and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true in His Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. The true God and eternal life. Who is that speaking of? Jesus right? Uh, Hebrews, even God says of, of Jesus, right, of the Son, he says, to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. That God calls Jesus God. Wait, what? Right? It's because he is God. And, and understand, Jesus Christ is God Almighty come in the flesh. Anybody that comes against that, uh, is bringing something in contradiction to the word of God. Now you're going to have to adopt their new book that just came out, right? And live your life and, and give your eternal life really over to something that just came out 50 years ago or 20 years ago. When the word of God, God is the word, right? He's from the very beginning. Who else are you going to trust? He created us. Why would we go off into some, you know, silly thing? But we are... 
we're easily deceived, right? There's so much things that are coming our way, the media, the this and that, the advertisements, and it's so easy to get caught and, and, and fall for these things. And we got to keep our minds on Christ Jesus. Uh, so anyways, I said there are seven things here uh, that we can learn and look at about these deceivers. The third thing is not only are deceivers many and, and they deny the incarnation of Christ, in other words, that Christ came in the flesh, but third, they have the spirit of the Antichrist. Notice in verse seven, go back to verse seven, it says, for many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. So turn back with me to your left to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Look at verse 3. It says, And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And that this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is already in the world. In fact, go to your left to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, look at verse 18. Verse 18, it says, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the, the Antichrist, so speaking of the Antichrist, is coming. Even now many, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. So those who do not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is, uh, they are of the spirit of the Antichrist, according to Scripture. Uh, in fact, this word Antichrist, very interesting, it's used four times in the whole Bible, uh, and all uh, every time it's used by John himself. But it's a compound word, meaning against, right? Uh, anti, against, right? And, and Christos, meaning the anointed one, the Messiah, and, and speaks of anybody in opposition to Jesus. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 that we just read, I'll go back right there, uh, it's speaking of the Antichrist, right? And many Antichrists. There's two separate uh, Antichrists it's speaking of. The first, uh, the Antichrist, is spoken of in 1 Thessalonians 2, 3. He's, he's called the man of sin, the son of perdition. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 8, he's called the lawless one. Romans eleven seven. he's the beast from the bottom of bottomless pit. In Daniel 7, 8, he's the little horn of Daniel. And so we know this Antichrist, he's coming one day, uh, and we'll, we'll, we won't be here. Um, we're not going to see the Antichrist. We're not going to see him revealed because uh, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 7 and 8, it says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains, meaning God, the Holy Spirit, uh, will do so until he speaking of the Holy Spirit, is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be, will, will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So he who now restrains, I think it's the Holy Spirit, right? Because uh, the Holy Spirit is the restraining force, if you will, in the believer's life. So the, where does the Holy Spirit dwell according to Scripture? The Bible makes it so obvious that it's Christ in us, the hope of glory, right? The Holy Spirit is dwelling within the church, the body of Christ. So when the Holy Spirit is taken out, uh, I believe it's referring to the rapture of the church. We're going to be taken out of the way, thus there's nobody to say, whoa, 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 we need to vote against this law. I don't think so. That's not going to pass, right? And we're the ones that hold up righteousness and morality because we go by the word of God. Uh, that is what we stand on. But when we're out of the way, hey, he's like, whoa, hey, here we go, right? And then it's his show. And then he goes on and he's, he's a knucklehead is what I call him. But anyway, so the third thing we learn about deceivers is they have a spirit of the Antichrist, right? So uh, the fourth thing I learned, go back to Second John, is these deceivers, they can also cause believers really not to receive their reward. And in fact, look at verse 8. It says, look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. So we're not to look to these deceivers 
um, but rather to whom is within us, right? Which is Christ in us. We're to look to the word of God. And, and if you don't do that, if you don't take heed to the word of God, then you can easily get caught up in these deceivers. And what these deceivers are going to do, they're going to come in and they're going to steal away. They're going to take away what God has put in, right? And, and the, that's what the enemy has come to do. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? John 10.10. 10. So some believe you know, what is this reward speaking of here? Uh, some believe it's speaking of salvation. They, they say since they believe the deceiver, instead of believing, you know, Jesus came in the flesh as God Almighty, uh, others think it's speaking of our, your reward in heaven. And uh, in verse 8, it says, look to yourselves so that we do not lose those things we worked for. But the question I have for that is, well, wait a minute. Uh, have we worked for salvation? No. We haven't worked for salvation, so we don't work for eternal life. Uh, so it leads me to believe that we can, you know, lose our rewards in heaven, but not salvation. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 12, it says, uh, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So there's... Uh, degrees, if you will, of rewards in heaven. Now, I don't really know too much more about that. <laughs> Just, all I know is, to me, uh, it does talk about rewards in heaven, but really, I, since I don't know it, I look to Christ as my reward. If I'm going to work on anything onto the Lord, it's for the Lord. It's not for some material thing in heaven, right? What we think is amazing here on earth, like gold, is really asphalt, right? It's going to be, the streets are gold in heaven. Like, they're going to be like, oh, you, that's just dirt, man. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be so much greater than what we even think of here. So my brain can't comprehend, but uh, whatever it is, I know we're going to have, you know, crowns, and we're going to lay it at the feet of Jesus. And to me, that speaks of honoring Christ, right? What we did here on earth, we're going to honor him with, and... Um, it also could be, you know, you guys remember Paul uh, was on his missionary trips and they're, they're doing church plants and the things that, you know, they gave the people the word and they begin to grow in the word. And if a false teacher crept into that church, that fellowship, uh, and started teaching their stuff and they got carried away with their stuff, then really everything that they worked for, in that sense, kind of got destroyed. It just kind of, it went by the wayside, just like Jesus talks about in the parable of the sower. You know, there's the good soil, but there's also the the rocky soil. There's a seed that, that got thrown on the rocks, and thus the, the birds of the air, the demons, if you will, came and they take, they took of that little that was there. And so, I don't know, there's there's a lot there uh, that we can, we can uh, observe. But let's come to the fifth thing here. Uh, another thing about deceivers is they don't have, they don't have God. Uh, look at verse 9. It says in verse 9, whoever transgresses, whoever sins, right, whoever passes the line of uh, the law, if you will, and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides, he who continues, he who uh, continues to pursue God in, in Christ Jesus, right, uh, in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. So wow, this is very straightforward right here. This is what the Bible says, by the way. Um, if they teach that Jesus is not God Almighty, come in the flesh, that, that he's, he's the Lord, um, they are not going to be with God right? Um, they're, they're not going to heaven. So the opposite is true. If you do believe in Jesus Christ, that he is God Almighty, that he did come in the flesh, um, then you're going to go to heaven. You're going to be, you're saved. You're secure. You're, because you're in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus, then you got, you're in, right? <laughs> you're in. It's praise the Lord for that. Uh, but if you're out of Christ Jesus, then you're out. Duh, right? It just makes sense to me. Um, so we, we're called to abide in Christ Jesus. John 15, right? You abide in me, I abide in you, God says. And so it speaks of a relationship, a communication with Jesus. And that all started uh, really because of what Christ did on the cross for you and I. Uh, and when I think about it, what did, what did Jesus do for you and I? Man, he got spit on, but he kept walking. He kept taking those extra steps because he knew what he was going to do for the sins of the whole world, John 3.16, right? We know there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We, we all recognize that we're sinners. We've all made mistakes, right? Um, and, but God demonstrated his love 
on the cross. That's when God said, hey, I am love and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you who I am. And when he showed us who he was, he laid out his, his hands freely, willingly, right? And, and it speaks to me, uh, the analogy of what did they do? They, they put, they hammered down a crown of thorns on his head and the blood just poured, right? It just came everywhere, covered uh, his face. They, they, they couldn't even recognize who he was. He was beaten uh, so bad, they, they, they couldn't recognize him. And, and so it, it really, the things, you know, you probably don't want to face up to, the things you probably are, maybe you've thought of, the things of the sins that happen here in the head, right, in the brain. Christ, his blood has covered those things, and, and, but maybe you're like, no, yeah, but I, you know, that's good and great, but I've walked away from the Lord. You know, I was raised in the church, I've heard about Jesus, but I, I walked away, and, you know, it's really, not, I don't know if I can return to him, because, I mean, think of all the shame that I have, and, 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 and man, but look what Jesus did for you. What, what was the biggest place in his entire body that he bled for you and I? His back. It was reduced to hamburger meat that day, right? They took the whip and whoosh, and they took out uh, just chunks out of his body. And, and uh, he bled, right? The blood flowed uh, for you. If you've turned your back on the Lord, if you've walked away from him, that's what he's done for you. In fact, if you've, man, uh, you know, Josh, I don't know. I just, the things I've done with my hands, the, the actions, the things in life that I've done, and I don't think he can, well, he took the nail through his hands for you as well, right? Well, what about the places you've gone, the things that you've done? Well, he took it through his feet as well. He bled. Well, what about that bitterness? Maybe that, you know, that's that gut feeling that just, well, he took the spear through the side as well, right? That you and I might be saved, that you and I might be cleansed, that you and I, our accounts, which, by the way, every word and work is being written in a book of remembrance of who you are, right? And, and, and imagine all the sins that we've done, guys, and imagine him just getting his hands, right, and just covering it with his blood, now, there's no account. No, well, I don't see anything, right? All I see is my blood. All I see is righteousness. I just see pure, right? Your sins are now forgiven. They are as white as snow because you confessed your sins, because you humbled yourselves at the cross. You came to the Lord. You repented, right? That's, that's a big word, but you, you, you saw what the world had, and you said, it's... it's What's it worth? You counted the cost, you looked to Christ, and salvation was found at that very moment. He came into your heart and began to change your heart. The Holy Spirit began to convict you now, right, of the things that you used to do that you always thought was right, and now it's like, whoa, 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 don't do that, and it's like, whoa, all right. He begins to change, and, and, but he's your teacher, right? He's the great teacher. He's the wonderful counselor, Isaiah 9, 6, and, and so he begin, he'll teach you and he'll reveal the things he wants because he's a good teacher, right? He's God. He won't lead you astray. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And I thank the Lord for that. But it's the gospel, right? And I, I thank the Lord for that. But let's go on to the sixth thing here about deceivers. Um, the sixth thing about deceivers is they are not to be received. Uh, notice in verse 10, go back to 2 John, look at verse 10. It says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. Why? Well, if someone comes to your house, you know, they, they speak to you about this doctrine, uh, man, this, there's no heart to it, right? There, there's no, uh, there, there's just a whole bunch of words, and, and they want to carry you away, they want to deceive you, and they want to come to your house with this doctrine that says, Jesus is not God Almighty come in the flesh, and they say, hey, can I come and just deceive you, or can I come, you know, can I come in? Uh, no, uh, don't let them in your house. By the way, why? Because that's what scripture said. Feel free to talk to them at the door. Go, hey, let's go for a walk out here. But the moment you invite them in, you're in, you, you as a believer should be like Joshua in 24, chapter 24. He says, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? Why, if you just saw your neighbor's house, right? Somebody just went to your neighbor, they had a whole bunch of guns and they just went in there right? And they shot him up and then they came to your house Ding dong! Hi! I'm a Christian! Come on in! 
again. What? Yay. My family's right here, 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 and here. Well, you're dumb, right? <laughs> no discernment there. And of course, they're going to, you know, but that's in their minds, that's what you are. If you invite them in, if you greet them, you know, it's, it's a, they're, they're thinking you're, so we're called to be a light to the world. We're exposed, but we're, we're smart, we're wise, we're not dumb. Um, and that brings me to the seventh thing here about these deceivers. And the last thing is, they are not to be greeted. Notice the end of the verse in verse 10. Do not receive him into your house, nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Uh, the old King James says, uh, do not bid him Godspeed, right? So today we say, you know, translating that today in our modern you know, it's saying, God bless, brother. Hey, have a great day, brother. See you later. May God bless you. Uh, don't say that to them, right? Don't, don't bless what they are doing. They're living in contradiction to the word of God, and you're saying, God bless what they are doing. Go, go bless their deception. What they're, they're going house to house right now saying that you're not God Almighty, even though your word declares it. So do you see the importance of not greeting them? Do you, do you see the importance of saying, you know, may God bless you, brother. Come here, brother. You're, we all believe in God, right? That's, that's the emergent church kind of style where they're like, hey, let's, let's have a Muslim come and teach in our church. Let's have another religion come teach at our church. Why not? We're all deceived anyway. That's, they wouldn't say that, but uh, that's what I hear when I watch them. But it's, it's scary. It's a really a scary thing. So if you greet him, verse 11 says, you share in his evil deeds. And you would be agreeing with what they are teaching. So don't bring them in and greet them for really the sake of, well, obviously God's word says it, right? You want to be obedient to the, the will of God. Uh, but for their sakes as well, that they might get saved and that they might not be like, oh, they're no different than I am. They invite me in. Um, but do it for their sake so that they know there's something different. They're, you're set apart, right? Um, so let's conclude this book here. Uh, it really, it concludes with only two verses and it's speaking about the joy, really. Uh, and in this joy... Three things really stand out as you just read through it uh, about joy and John and this lady. Uh, look at verse 12. The first thing involves imparting truth to this lady. Uh, it says, having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink. So John wanted to speak many things, but desired to see these believers more so, right? He wanted to see them instead of just keep writing to them. I think I understand this. A lot of people want to talk, you know, um, on Facebook, and, and uh, if you guys know me, I'm not a, not a chitter-chatter on Facebook. I'm very, like, to the point, here's what Scripture says, man, and if they want to argue, blah, 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 I'm like, oh, well, well, nah, next thing, all right, I'm going on, I don't even, hey, I, I, that's just not me. I would rather see him face-to-face, and if, you know, on, on Facebook, it looks like, man, this guy doesn't like, he doesn't even talk to people, but if you see me face-to-face, you guys probably know, right? Praise the Lord, right? Um, but uh, I, I am a, I'm a talker, but let's go to the second thing here. It involves seeing the face of her. Notice in verse 12, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face. So for those of you guys who are watching online, right? Hey, I understand there's, you know, reasons why you're at home, but if you're able to be, you know, physically attend the fellowship, then come, come and don't neglect the, 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 the gathering of believers, Guys, right? Okay. They probably logged off. <laughs> I'm out of here, this guy. Um, but yeah, it's true. Hey, biblically, we, we shouldn't neglect the, 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 the fellowship of believers. It's a beautiful thing, right? And then John understood that. Hey, I desire, I desire to come to you. I desire to hang out. There's, something, there's nothing like it, right? We, we could do all this phone calling and text and all that. And it's good and great, but if you're able, man, it's a beautiful thing. And God, does he not spark your heart? And you, you just naturally talk about the word of God, and you're the church. That's what we do. Um, let's end on this. That it involves bringing joy to her, uh, this lady. And that says that our joy may be full. So in the context here, John brings her joy by mentioning, really, in verse 13, her children. Uh, the children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. So these 
children, uh, like her children, are walking in the truth. And imagine having kids uh, that you've been praying for for years, just years. They go on a trip, they go somewhere, they're hanging out with another believer. You don't even know about it, and, but you're praying for their salvation. You're asking God, you know, man, help them to just see. And, because they're your children, right? You love your children. You raise them up and, and they're, you know, to you, that's like... You, you treasure them. And, but it, talk about a burden that parents have when their children don't walk with the Lord. They're, 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 uh, they're in tears. They're not in tears around their children, but they're in tears, you know, when they're, when they, they're in their prayer closet. But imagine uh, that you get a letter and saying, hey, your, your, your child is walking with the Lord now. Your child loves the Lord. Your child is praising the Lord. Man, they are just, they're, they're seeking God's word. They're desiring, they're, there's just something about them that the, they're, they, all of a sudden they have a passion for, you know, just seeking his word. They're no longer just coming and being like, well, you know, they're, they're, they're hearing the word of God. And imagine hearing, reading this letter from John and being like, wow, right? What a joy. Literally, that's the biggest joy you can give your parents is, to come to the Lord. That's the only thing they desire for you. There's nothing else that they desire for you. They could care less if you have a house and a car and all that. They, they want you to know Jesus. If you know Jesus, you're going to be good. You're in good hands, right? Um, so it's a beautiful thing. But uh, I forgot what I was going to say. But let's, let's stand. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much, Lord. Um, for your word, and uh, just thank you again, speaking of the cross, thank you for uh, what you did on the cross for us, Lord. May we have that reverence within our hearts, Lord, to come before your throne, and uh, Lord, to bring our hearts before you, to bring our lives before you. And I ask, Lord, if anybody's here in this in this church, if anybody's listening in, uh, Lord, if they don't know you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come alongside them and uh, lead them to the cross, Lord. Lead them to salvation. Show them, reveal to them that they might believe, not just for that moment, that second, but for the entire lives, Lord, that they might be in awe of who you are, to bring you the praise, to bring you the glory. And I just thank you, Lord. Thank you for your work and uh, for your righteousness. And uh, we love you, Lord. We're grateful for your grace in, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. They're, you know, to you, that's like, you, you treasure them. And, but it, talk about a burden that parents have when their children don't walk with the Lord. They're, 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 uh, they're in tears. They're not in tears around their children, but they're in tears, you know, when they're, when they, they're in their prayer closet. But imagine uh, that you get a letter and saying, hey, your, your, your child is walking with the Lord now. Your child loves the Lord. Your child is praising the Lord. Man, they are just, they're, they're seeking God's word. They're desiring, they're, there's just something about them that the, they're, they, all of a sudden they have a passion for, you know, just seeking his word. They're no longer just coming and being like, well, you know, they're, they're, they're hearing the word of God. And imagine hearing, reading this letter from John and being like, wow, right? What a joy. Literally, that's the biggest joy you can give your parents is, to come to the Lord. That's the only thing they desire for you. There's nothing else that they desire for you. They could care less if you have a house and a car and all that. They, they want you to know Jesus. If you know Jesus, you're going to be good. You're in good hands, right? Um, so it's a beautiful thing. But I uh, forgot what I was going to say. Let's, let's stand. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much, Lord. Um, for your word, and uh, just thank you again, speaking of the cross, thank you for uh, what you did on the cross for us, Lord. May we have that reverence within our hearts, Lord, to come before your throne, and uh, Lord, to bring our hearts before you, to bring our lives before you. And I ask, Lord, if anybody's here in this, in this church, if anybody's listening in, uh, Lord, if they don't know you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come alongside them and uh, lead them to the cross, Lord. Lead them to salvation. Show them, reveal to them that they might believe, not just for that moment, that second, but for the entire lives, Lord, that they might be in awe of who you are, to bring you the praise, to bring you the glory. And I just thank you, Lord. Thank you for your work and uh, for your righteousness. 
And uh, we love you, Lord. We're grateful for your grace in, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.